Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. My name is Greg Tito, and I'm joined by the ever-laughing Shelly Mazzanova. Hello. Hello. She's struggling not to laugh right now and doing a good job of it. Yeah. It's like we're in church. Yeah. Just think, you know, yeah. you're backstage, you don't want to laugh. That's what's backstage happening. at church? Well... I was, I, was, I was shifting it up to a oh, theater reference instead yeah, of no. a, a... Yeah, one that's more familiar. More familiar, yeah. yeah church? Like, God, talking about church. Do you know what? I'll talk about church. Okay. Me. Speaking of theater and church, Thirch. I it was probably like fifth grade or yeah. so. I did not like going to church, and I used to pretend to faint. <laughs> this is where you learned your acting ability? Yes. Standing there in our pew, and I would go, oh, and like faint and my mom was like oh my god like what she just fainted our daughter's fainted i actually think one time i did get hot and dizzy and really might have passed out and i didn't have to go to sunday school and i was done like they just took me home sweet so i'm like uh okay so every sunday i would pass out in church but only in church and and then my mom's like something's wrong with our daughter and they she actually took me to get tests on i started to feel bad like after i had to get cat scan oh no (laughs) like there's nothing wrong with me except I don't like Sunday school. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. And then I just stopped fainting huh. after that. They were like, we can't find anything wrong with your daughter. Sorry. Maybe she just doesn't like church. <laughs> Maybe she's a bad kid who is lying and only passing out on Sundays Doctors around 10, that, 15. Though. They really should. Yeah. I was an altar boy. Uh-oh. And I didn't realize that's probably a big reason why I like being backstage. Uh, and and putting on a show, I like that part oh, of of, oh of it rather than You're, actually there's doing. There's so many innuendos. There's so many things going That's on there. That's just that. That's so. Uh, it's also why I like being behind the scenes with Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh? Yeah. Okay. Uh? Uh, <laughs> let's go with that. All right. Yeah, behind the scenes with D and D. Exactly, and we're gonna go behind the scenes with the Sneak Attack podcast, the Dungeon Master and one of their players, very soon. Uh, uh, I'm going to get the names wrong, uh, but it is Reed and Kelsey, who plays uh, Brenna. They'll cool. be joining us uh, for our interview segment Yay. very soon. Um, but before that, uh, I want to thank you guys uh, for heading out and checking out the lost episode for Force Gray, streaming on December 5th. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. Uh, there was much rejoicing, and I was really just happy that Dylan Sprouse, otherwise known as Zach from Zach and Cody, The Sweet Life with Zach and Cody, uh, was uh, there. I, who knew that he played Dungeons & Dragons, but he was an awesome guy. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Bart Carroll did a great job, by the way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ish. Mediocre. Yeah, mediocre. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the, the stream happened, I eh. think. Yeah, which was... All him. Yeah. No, that was good. All right. It was good a lot show. of good time. Good show. Thank you guys for paying attention. And uh should be up on uh, YouTube or any other video on demand services now. So go check that out. You get like down the whole story and uh, uh, what happened with Force Gray. Did you uh, get someone to read your screenplay? <laughs> Not yet. I have to finish it you first. You were like rubbing elbows with all these. I know. I didn't want to be that guy to be like, here, do you want to read my screenplay? Just do like I had like 40 copies pitch. with me just to like hand out to people. Yeah, just pretend like you thought it was something else. Yeah, and then I just started like, after I had like 10 copies left, I was just driving around LA and I just like threw them out the window. That's what people do. Yeah, with like a business card next to it and be like, right. here, find it. 
Here, find it. Find it. Make this movie. That is grassroots, man. That's right. That is what you got to do. That's how you get things made in, in Hollywood, California. I love it. I love it, too. Okay. All right. Nothing's happened yet. Maybe they'll call me tomorrow. Well, that's why you can still host this podcast. Uh, holidays are coming up. Uh, there's a few wonderful things you might be able to get for the Dungeon Master on your list, but also Ooh. for some of the little kids who might be getting into the Dungeons and the Dragons. Oh, cute. Yeah, Dungeonology is a book uh, written by Matt Forbeck with uh, some wonderful uh, contributions from the D&D story team. It's kind of like a pop-up book. It's gorgeous. That has lots of little bits and bobs. Like, that's yep. like the, the term, like the technical term for yeah. pop-ups. It's a publishing. And, it's an industry term. Yeah, bits and bobs. Yep, yep. Uh, and uh, it's just full of stuff about the Forgotten Realms, of what it's like to to be an adventurer uh, in in kind of like the D and D universe. Things yeah. that you need. It's uh, it's really a lot of fun, and it's got a really big fold out map of uh, the Sword Coast. That is a perfect gift for yeah. a kid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because they get to get into it. Yep. It's uh, it's got a mind flayer on the cover. It like, just screams little kid. It's a low price point too. It's like a good. Budget friendly. Oh yeah, good point. Book. Good point. And of course, Volo's Guide to Monsters is always a good gift for their dungeon master. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of fun monster baddies as well as a lot of lore about how to integrate them into any campaign. Kids love the lore. They love lore. They, they love, love lore. stories. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, Storm King's Thunder is an amazing adventure, and I've been uh, reading through it even more, and I think I might get uh, ready to start. So, Shelly, you in? Yes. All right. Let's do this. Okay. A lot of people responded to our last podcast saying that they would totally watch and or pay attention to a D&D campaign with me and Eoplane. Really? Yeah. Seriously? Seriously. I would like my character's name to be Ears. Oh, in honor of uh, uh, the character in last week's yeah. episode where we had the uh, yeah. D&D radio show. I can't get over that name. I think it's so cute. It's pretty good. Yeah. We have to play an elf then, of course. But it, wouldn't it be funny if I, I didn't? Yes, it would. I mean, Playing against type, you'd probably always wonder, like, why do they call her? Maybe, ears? maybe your ears's daughter, or you know, you know, ears was in the family, and this was maybe like it has a family nothing to do name. with ears, like those kind of ears. Yeah, ears of corn. Ears of corn. Listening. Listening. A good listener. Yeah, you know, my mom, my mom, my mother-in-law often says some some expression about like there's lots of like when there's little kids around and we're having an adult conversation. Yeah, she'd say like, oh, there's lots of the, the field has lots of ears. The what? The cornfield has lots of ears or something oh. like that. And I'm always like, what is that expression? But it basically means she doesn't want to talk about you. adult things when, when when kids are around. I was like, oh, I never even heard of that. Really? Yeah. It's, it actually has a little creepy undertone. To a it. little bit like children of the corn. That's what I. That's where I went. I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's what she meant. My children look like the children of the corn. Probably. Because <laughs> they do. <laughs> Isaac and Malachi. <laughs> <laughs> Those uh, Tito girls. That's what they look like, for sure. So, uh, and also in honor of the uh, uh, coming end of days uh, here at the end of 2016, uh, uh, just on the year, not the end of days, yeah, the end of the end of the days that we would call 2016. Kind of lightened it up. A yeah, little. a little bit. We're gonna do a little Laurie Chanel on uh, kind of what the positive and negative planes are all about. Oh. So let's uh, listen to Chris Perkins talk about that. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Lore You Should Know, where we delve into some fun Dungeons and Dragons lore to give dungeon masters and players fun lore threads to to play upon in their games. I am joined by two of the 
fun lore masters of Wizards of the Coast. Uh, hello, Mr. Matt Cernet. Hi, Greg. And hello, Mr. Chris Perkins. Hi, Greg. Hi. We today are talking about a uh, an idea in a planar cosmology, uh, the positive and negative planes of existence. We talked to them a little bit uh, when we were discussing both the Feywild and the Shadowfell, but I thought it was worth it to delve in even more uh, to kind of understand what that means. There's a lot of game mechanics that that kind of tie into this kind of idea uh, mm-hmm. as far as clerics and 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 uh, and definitely through the additions of yes. you know cure light wounds versus cause light wounds and all that so uh yeah where where, where did this idea kind of really come from in, in dungeons and dragons it goes back to the beginning first edition uh books and then expanded upon in the manual of the planes uh for first edition uh, the concept of these two planes from which positive energy and negative energy radiate. Positive energy being the thing that is about life and uh, cohesion, and negative energy being about death and entropy. Um, over the editions, it has evolved uh, to now in fifth edition, uh, these two planes kind of lie, they are the outermost planes in the cosmology. If you imagine that the cosmology is a ball, like a pokeball or something, <laughs> uh, these two planes are like umbrellas on the top and bottom of that ball. Um, and their energy sort of leaks into the rest of the cosmology. Um, and we typically associate radiant energy with positive energy and necrotic energy with negative energy. Um, but uh, uh, these aren't planes that we expect you to hang out on. Um, there's really nothing there to visit. They're just energy, trapped energy, uh, that, that sort of um, uh, primordial essence, uh, one of the foundational elements of the known multiverse. Uh, so while adventures don't generally happen there, we do have creatures and spells and other effects that draw positive and negative energy into them, giving them their abilities and powers. Yeah, that was particularly true in second edition where those ideas got um, really sort of emphasized and expanded upon in, in um, product lines like Planescape and so on. So right. uh, in Planescape, there were there were actual locations on the particularly the negative energy plane, um, but the positive energy plane and the negative energy plane were both always considered... Um, really hostile to life so even the positive energy plane it's it's the idea was that it's so much life energy that it's yeah it just overloads you and burns out every cell in your body uh with how much lifeness there is (laughs) (laughs) so it's like being on the surface of the sun if the sun was radiating with life (laughs) and uh and um you know i can i i believe there was some ties to the negative energy plane and one of the the factions in Sigil and some location that they Mm -hmm. had there and I think there was some adventure that had some some locations there. I I think the Dustmen and the Mortuary ties to the negative energy plane. I think that one of the um, one of the adventures with Asarak touched upon the negative energy plane. Yeah, actually there was a third edition adventure the Bastion of Broken Souls which um, also had a, a lair tied very strongly to the negative energy plane. And when they say when you say tied to the negative energy plane, does that mean it's a portal to it or it just feels it's a part of the material plane that is somehow closer to it? What does that mean? 
It depends. It's magic. Yeah, it really depends upon the the, the the idea and the product and so on. So yeah. I think with some of the things with Planescape, it was imagined that there were actually towers um, like uh, floating in space uh, in, the, in the negative energy plane. I think even the, um, not the dustman, but the... Oh, the Armory and Sigil uh, had uh, three or four, I think, towers that were actually in different, they were interdimensionally um, in different places. So like the, the each tower of this, the Armory was also in a different plane. I think one of them was actually also in the Give Energy plane. And so then if you went into that tower, it had different effects on you than if you went into the other tower that had other weird effects based on the other plane that that tower was in. Um, I think with fifth edition, we're we're um, pushing that out a bit more to be like I think even people in the world of D and D would think of the positive and negative energy planes as something really uh, kind of um, heady and scholarly and philosophical. You know, it's just like philosophy stuff. Like it's 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 not anything that anyone really thinks of as tactically real. I don't think people. Um, try and go there or, or open portals to that place or that kind of a thing uh, in any normal sense. Like, I don't think that's... that's I, don't, I don't think that, that it, it is as real to people of the world of D&D as something like Arborea or, you know, the Nine Hells or that kind of a thing. I see. So what... When... Part of the thing that I lashed into when you were talking about was like, oh, positive and radiant energy and necrotic energy, those have very strong visual elements that, you know, radiant is yellow and white and necrotic is purple and black. Um, would common people in the Forgotten Realms see those signs and be like, oh, that's clearly necrotic and that's evil and partly associated with a negative plane? Um, you know, like a warlock uh, who's... Maybe if they were academics or scholarly or you know, applying some uh, philosophy or um, metaphysical data that they learned from some source. Um, but a common peasant I or mean, farmer if, if would... You raise, if you raise the dead in a temple, a, a cleric might describe, uh, or the, the person being raised might describe the feeling of being sort of infused with the positive energy um, uh, that that is sort of needed to kind of make that happen. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think I, you know one of the things about radiant and necrotic energy in in fifth edition that's different than some of the previous editions is that they aren't strictly associated necessarily with alignment anymore. So mm -hmm. uh, there are plenty of spells that <clears throat> are sort of. Uh, dark and evil spells that use radiant energy or dark and evil creatures that use radiant energy or uh, vice versa. And so they, they, they aren't quite as strictly aligned with good and evil either anymore. They're yeah, back in third edition, there were damage types, uh, holy and unholy. Yeah. You could take holy damage, you could take unholy damage, and those were very strongly attached to the positive and negative planes. But since we've decoupled damage types from alignment... Um, that no longer applies. Okay, so someone, uh, a, a peasant or someone unlearned would uh, not necessarily think of necrotic damage or something as yes. inherently But evil. like a cleric might, in studying undead, understand sort of fundamentally in any respect that undead need negative energy to exist, mm. to create um, like a wraith, for instance, that requires some amount of negative energy, um, but that's yeah, not. There's, there's, there's sort of this. Um, 
like the animating force behind uh, like skeletons and zombies, say, isn't the souls of the individuals there, right? right? Like if you're fighting a skeleton you and you, you bash it and, and knock it down, you you haven't like freed a trapped soul or anything like that. Right. It, it's being animated by this other stuff. That's that's of the will, usually under the will of a necromancer or some other right. You know, right. agent. Who's, who's but, tapping into some repository of negative energy to make this happen. I see. Um, Could you potentially use radiant energy to animate a skeleton? No. Okay. But, um, I mean, that doesn't mean you can't use radiant energy to, say, power an automaton or something. There might be some other, some other way, to, some animating ability of radiant, ener radiant energy that isn't, like, undead-related. Got it. Got it. So you're just, right. the, the fact of undead is just very much associated you know, with... Right. What makes an animated plane. table move around? Well, maybe it's radiant energy, right? You know? Yeah, I see. Um, there's, so is there... I guess in my... I would think of an arcane energy, but that, that arcane energy needs to tap into one of those two, these two planes in order to, to function. Not necessarily. No? Well, I mean, yeah, there's, the, there's all sorts of sources. I mean... I think it's it, you, we're getting sort of really heady with <laughs> no, I know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, you know, I think even within the world, there would be a lot of uh, discussion and differences of opinion and philosophy on where uh, you get a lightning bolt from, right? Mm. Right. Uh, like you, you say all the words and you you do the right things and. A lightning bolt comes out, and a wizard throws the lightning bolt. Now, did it come because the wizard just changed reality by saying the right words, or did it get summoned from right. some place? Did he reach out to an elemental plane, tap into some force through some ley line, and to produce this devastating effect? And I don't think people in the world of D and D uh, really understand the the truth behind that. And I, I don't think for our purposes, as far as uh, sort of stewards of the lore, it's not necessarily useful or, no, for us to sort of define that. No, because that's the kind of detail that. where a DM can customize to right. suit yeah. their own campaign world. This is how the magic in my world works. Um, but we're comfortable saying that if you're raising the dead or healing somebody, that a certain amount of positive energy is involved in that exchange. Uh, it's not terribly important how it got into the person's hands. It just exists out there in the multiverse. Same thing if you're animating a, a, a corpse and turning it into a walking, shambling zombie. Some amount of negative energy has been imbued in that corpse to make that happen. Um, but other than that, we don't typically worry about the impact of the positive and negative planes on the world. Okay. Uh, and then do does any being reside on those planes? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there are weird things out there that live on those planes. For instance... Uh, the Zegi mm -hmm. and the Zagya yes. are two weird tentacled Balls. orb monsters. <laughs> uh, one lives in one plane and one lives in the other. Don't ask me how these two creatures evolved uh, on these two separate planes to basically look identical. Uh, one is made out of positive energy and one's made out of negative energy, but other than that, they're vir virtually interchangeable. Uh, and they were first introduced in the adventure Lost Caverns of Sajkhan, module S4 by Gary Gygax. Uh, and those are representative of creatures native to those planes. Do they have, are they 
intelligent? Uh, they are. Uh, they're intelligent. They're basically balls with faces on them and yeah. tentacles Eyes coming off them. And yeah. when they hit you with their tentacles, they basically blast you with their energy type, yeah. positive energy, negative energy. Um, and they've, they've, they've popped up in later editions of the game as well. Yeah, I, I mean, we haven't done a sort of fifth edition version of them yet, or by any means. Uh, they're not in Volo's Guide to Monsters. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just drop that. <laughs> Dang it, um, I thought we wanted to dangle it to be like, maybe if you find but, no, it's not there. But I would imagine that, that if we were to revisit those monsters, uh, we'd, we'd think about them as as some sort of just completely alien you know, mm-hmm. intelligences, right? You know, when, if, if you, you sort of summoned a, a Zagya, right? Zagya, Zagya. Into the world, uh, you know, it, it has absolutely no idea what is going on, right? It, it, the world is something that is completely abhorrent and foreign to it. And, mm. uh, you know, like, there's any sort of logic you might apply to its actions, uh, it's just completely mysterious. What what the heck is it doing? You know, and and so I, I think that um, it it would be a creature like that that would just be completely difficult to contain and really unpredictable and um, just bizarre. Interesting. All right. So and we also kind of associate uh, uh, divine magic with both the positive and the negative uh, energy, mm-hmm. mostly. Uh, although there are of course other you know, wizardy spells, but um, do deities? know that their clerics will be channeling this energy and then that you know they, that their plane of wherever they reside is closer to the positive plane versus the negative plane or is it again just you know I'm I, I think I mean so gosh so I think if you ask most deities the, they're channeling the clerics are channeling their energy right <laughs> um but if if we were to get more sort of metaphysical about it, uh, the 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 deity is basically giving the cleric access to uh, an, uh, uh, sort of a, a window of into a, a various options of power, and yeah. um, you know where does the god pull those powers from well again it's sort of like where how, how did that lightning bolt get there yeah right, right. you know it's it's a little bit mysterious yeah. one could say that the gods are because they are manifest beings in D, that they are made up of the essence of the multiverse and two of the ingredients that compose the multiverse are positive and negative energy so all the gods to some measure probably have some positive and negative energy contained within them that they mm. can distribute to their mortal followers as they will um that would not be be beyond the realm of reason, but then we're just basically into wild speculation, and ultimately, how important is it? If you can raise the dead, great. <laughs> you don't have to ask what goes into the raised dead soup. <laughs> Amazing! I, I love that you you guys are being the pragmatists here, and I'm being the uh, 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 metaphysical. Yes, what happens if blah? <laughs> yeah. Come like, on, Greg. It just happens, you guys. It just it's, just, happens. it's just magic. Spells happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pumper sticker that I'm I'm totally gonna make as D and D swagmaster. Spells happen. All right, cool. I, I think we have said all that needs to be said about the positive and negative planes. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I, that's really um, fun about D and D in general, as as it's sort of stated in the in the, the rule books, is, is that it's this t- great big toolbox of ideas to play with. And so, you know, if in your world you want lightning to come from 
lightning bolt spells to come from like some particular deity. Like Thor gives every wizard his lightning bolt spell. That's fine. Go for it. Right. Like that. Right. You know, that's your own game, and do yeah. do what you want. Uh, right. You know, similarly, if you want, you know, raise dead to have some dire risk or consequence. You know, like maybe you come back with you know a, a extra spirit inside you or you come back possessed by a demon because in your world that's what happens when you raise dead fine go for it tell that awesome story right yeah right and the dmg talk the cosmology that we talked about today really is kind of a default cosmology um part of the an evolution of the great wheel um, but the dmg talks about other cosmologies that exist both in our published settings and uh, um, have sort of been in the game uh DMs will customize their cosmology to suit their own campaigns, so there may not even be positive and negative planes per se in certain cosmologies, and that's fine too. It's just one way to 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 yeah. frame it and think yes. about it. And I like the idea that you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the population of your world won't ever consider it. But I also do love the idea of a person like me who's like, well, what and why? And there's yes. got to be a My sense of a system must to have it. Have the negative yeah. protection, negative energy protection spell. Yes, and maybe there's a Greg Tito yes. character in your campaign who's gone completely insane thinking right. about these yes. these these things. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, it so insanity inducing <laughs> is a little bit, but I, uh, I enjoy thinking about it. So thank you guys for, for indulging me and, uh, we'll talk about other stuff next week. All right. Alrighty. Okay. All right. That was Chris. That Chris Perkins. You know, the negative and, and positive planes are something that always fascinated me. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of we kind of went really deep into it and eventually Chris was like, I think that's all we need to know about that. And I'm like, What's all right. he withholding? I, I, I don't know. He doesn't want us to know everything. No, he told us everything. He doesn't. But they're more like, uh, what, what I got from that conversation was they're more like uh, uh, ideals. You know, they're like, where, where does happiness come from, Shelley? It comes from the positive plane in, in the D&D cosmology, you know? Like, it's kind of like negative and positive, like happiness and sadness. I'm still thinking. <laughs> oh, you don't want to know? I do want to know. Where does <laughs> happiness come from, Shelly? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse uh, me. Still sick. Sorry. All right. Well, well now, uh, well. let us go and speak to our guests, Reed and Kelsey from the Sneak Attack podcast. Hello. Hello, you guys. This is Greg. Hi, Greg. Hi. Is this Kelsey? This is Kelsey, yes. Hi. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Shelly. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Is Reed here, too? I heard Reed. Somewhere. I'm here. Hello, Reed. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Hi. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. Very good. Where are you located? We are in Lincoln, Nebraska right now. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, very nice. Center of the world. Wait, no. Yep, heart of the, heart of the country. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, you guys uh, are uh, uh, part of the Sneak Attack podcast. And, we uh, are. Reed, you are the dungeon master. I am. Uh, so, uh, yeah, why don't you guys tell us a little bit how you guys got started uh, uh, doing this podcast? Uh, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll take this. So, uh, I kind of got the group... That is the, the players in, in my podcast involved in D and D. Everyone except Kelsey, actually. I, I set up a game and played with them because I was first introduced to it uh, about five years ago, and I was just su- I was engrossed. I was enthralled. I said, "This is amazing. It's fun. It's always been that like weird thing that you don't ever like really want to commit to, 
because that's almost like the nerdy step too far. <laughs> <laughs> the bridge too far. Exactly. So as soon as I actually dipped my toe, I just was like, I'm diving in. This is great. So um, I had a failed podcast uh, that I'm not even going to mention because it's super embarrassing and I don't want people to search for it. <laughs> Tito uh, and I have a failed podcast too. We, we totally got it. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so I had a failed podcast uh, that I really enjoyed doing, but uh, just it never really took off. It was directionless. And so I got together with Josh, who plays Greyick on our show. And I was just like, you know, we love D&D so much. Um, and I've still got like this podcast itch that... I feel like we can we can like hit two birds with one stone here because there's not a ton of like super great D and D podcasts out there like actual play D and D mm-hmm. podcasts out there. That's a really small market, and I feel like with what we could bring to the table, uh, I feel like we could actually come out swinging with a really high quality, really high production type of type of show that maybe not a lot of shows are targeting right now. And, right. uh, and yeah, that was, that was it. We just kind of determined that, uh, the, all these people, these friends of mine that I'd played D and D with before, uh, we were going to make a podcast and we were going to actually just record ourselves playing D and D like normal. And if people listened great, um, and then, uh, so I got Josh again, who plays Greg, uh, my friend, Mike, who plays Sherwood, Danny, who plays, uh, well, two characters, uh, Keo and the Colonel. And then, uh, Josh's wife, Kelsey, she had never played D and D before. And I thought that was a really cool dynamic to have someone who like Josh and myself, super experienced Mike and Danny kind of in the middle, but then Kelsey, fr- you know, fresh off the boat, never played D and D before at all. So I thought it was a really good mix of people. And, um, yeah, that's just, that's kind of the approach we took when we, when we started kind of brainstorming this idea. That's awesome. Kelsey, um, you never yes. played D and D before and you were like, I'll totally be on a podcast. <laughs> what? Yeah. That makes me sound way more willing than I actually was. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there might be more to the story. Yeah. Um, well, I'm married to Josh and he, when we were dating, started playing with these guys. Um, and I told him, don't talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. It sounds weird. <laughs> um, I dated a guy in high school who played it and I thought it was weird. So I had really no patience for <laughs> this whole Dungeons and Dragons thing. Um, but if you listen to the show, you know, my husband has a hard time not talking about things. <laughs> um, and so he talked about it and I listened to it reluctantly for a long time. Um, and once we got married, they would play in our dining room. And so I would be around while they were playing. And eventually I kind of started warming up to the idea, realized that maybe it wasn't so weird after all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Josh was like, what will it take for me to get you to try this? And so I said, I want read to DM and I want to play with people I'm comfortable with. So we did like a, just kind of a test run to see if I liked it with Josh, my sister and her husband and read DM for us. And If you know anything about Reed's DM style, he's creative and fun and it's funny and it's not, there are serious moments and you get really involved in the game, but he's going to create opportunities for you to laugh too. Um, And that just caught me immediately. So then they approached me about the podcast. And so I was a lot more willing at that point because I had already had that experience, one with Reed, but two with the game in general. That's super cool. So what what was it about? I mean, I want to talk about that transition point because yeah. uh, because uh, full disclosure, I didn't actually tell my wife I was interested in Dungeons and Dragons to ask after we were married. <laughs> that Ooh, was probably smart. <laughs> she, she even at some point she'd be like, "What? You tricked me! I didn't know you liked this stuff." <laughs> uh, 
And, and to be fair, there was a period in my life where I was way more into you know theater and doing something else. So I, and that's it, cool. I really mm-hmm. wasn't a focus, and then I was like, well, you know, I'm married. I can do this now. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I feel about working out. Yeah, I'm married. I don't have to do that anymore. Exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, but she's still in the phase where she thinks it's not the you know the where she, how she wants to spend her time. And I would love to mm-hmm. find out how you got that uh, uh, over that hump, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was it? I mean, other than just being you know seeing it happen, where what was the right. moment? Uh, maybe it wasn't a f- specific moment, but like, you know, what made it click where you were like, well, actually, you know what, this is, this sounds like fun. Um, I think some of it was subconscious, just the idea that, I mean, Josh was spending, when Josh gets excited about something, it like just takes over his psyche and it's all he's talking about, all he's doing, all he's focusing on. And so I think some of it was, um, I wanted, I mean, we, we're friends before we started dating. So I wanted to be a part of what he was a part of because I love spending time with him. I love hanging out with him. He's a blast to be with. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do too with like, I really enjoy spending time with Reed. Reed and I are actually similar human beings, which is funny hmm. that Josh picked both of us to be his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> it's a <laughs> I very think intimate really relationship matters. with the dungeon master as well. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I think a lot of it has to do with the people that you play with. Um, oh, yeah. And I think it, I was, I have a theater background too. Um, and that really are people. pulled me in, but I think that that's a really, vul- it can be a really vulnerable thing to, um, be role-playing with people, um, and allowing this character that you created to be going through really emotional moments in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be comfortable with the people. Um, in order to role play to my best. And so being having my first experience with my sister who knows me like the back of her hand, with my husband, with Reed, with my brother-in-law, um, was a great experience because I can be myself around them no matter what. I don't feel like they're judging me. I don't feel like they're going to criticize me. And I know that they're going to, I know that they think I'm funny and creative and we're going to have a fun time together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the biggest pull. I know that Josh also offered at one point to let me dabble in the world of RPG, maybe not Dungeons and Dragons, but he had talked about coming up with like a Hunger Games themed RPG Mm. or something like that, just to get me to start getting comfortable with the idea of theater of the mind and pretending to be somebody and like explaining what actions they're taking. I remember right. we said he, he goes all out with ideas. Yeah, he actually invented a game mm-hmm. just to allow his wife to get a little more comfortable with that concept. That's the type of Aww. commitment we're talking about here. Oh, yes. Oh, that's the man cool. is... Yeah, he's pretty cool. All right. Well, I, I think I think you've shown where I went wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You still got time, Slacker. Greg. I still I I can, time. I know. I, I, I feel like she's warming up to it again. Really? It, well, Good. I mean, it is my job. But why don't we play with her? <laughs> we should. I think I think having you she there would, yeah, would maybe be great. It would be more fun. If I have found that with people who are resistant to the idea mm-hmm. of D&D, for whatever reason, that um, kind of similar to what you were saying, uh, Kelsey, what Josh did for you is tailoring it to what their interests are. Yeah. So like if they yeah. are interested in the Hunger Games and it's like a Hunger Games themed adventure, if they're mm-hmm. interested in a, you know, a book or a TV show or something, it, c- it could be anything. What Just if you're interested oh, yeah. in Chopped? Chopped? Oh, yes. You could do I something would, with Chopped. A Bobby Flay RPG, sign me up. I'm ready yes. to go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Gordon like Ramsay. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he would make a great villain. He, he oh, my God. <laughs> no, Guy yeah. Fieri might make a better villain. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm just oh. going to fireball him. Or just... <laughs> He's on fire anyway. He's got fi- yeah. he, like his fire resistance. I know. It would just like bounce back. <laughs> fire. Oh, my blue. gosh. He's totally a fire giant. He is. Yeah. Oh, God. He looks like one. Oh yeah. The frosted tips. I think that's the best visual element you could give a, a villain of any kind. There he is, you know a big what? looming figure at the top of his tower, and also he's got frosted tipped hair. You, you yes. are yeah. so right. He he needs n- nobody needs anything more than frosted tips. He that wear, says it yeah. all. He wears his goggles on the back of his head, and he smells like yeah. a bone. <laughs> yeah. He's like, let's take, a, let's eat this bad boy. Oh God! He calls everybody bro. <laughs> yeah. Bro. He would be like not the major boss. He would be like the warm up boss. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like the right hand man of the. Yeah. Then you get to Gordon. Yeah, you the start. Then, with you, guy. then you get to Gordon. <laughs> yeah. He's the, yeah. the See, step can you guys two. talk a little slower? I'm taking copious notes here. This is definitely <laughs> going into future. This is campaign. good. It's a brainstorming session. You need to session. take notes too, Tito. This could. And you know what? I know for a fact, Aaron loves The Bachelor. Oh no, huh? we're not doing a Bachelor theme. Why right wouldn't you? But love there's to so kill much RPG. Material there. It's all role playing. Like I mean, right down to like, the different types of people that are cast on that show. All right. Oh my all goodness. Right. I think I, I think there's that. something here, Tito. I think there is something there. All right. I don't like the show as a form, but I like killing them. I think that sounds I good. Think, yeah. yeah, you you have your motivation. <laughs> some, this yeah, is one that I said. even I could I think I could even DM this. All right, you're there in. you go. Yeah. Cut your teeth. So yeah, speaking of that, I mean, I, mean, I know you're you're relatively new, uh, Kelsey, but would you ever mm-hmm. think about you know creating stuff and being a DM? Oh my gosh, I tried it once. Oh, oh really? Uh, okay. Tell us. Tell us what happened. <laughs> um, so I'm a high school teacher, and I um, have a couple kids who play D and D. And once they graduated, we agreed that we would play D and D together. Um, so. They're good kids. So a couple of us teachers and these kids got together and I wanted to DM because I wanted to try it. And Josh, you know, is wearing his proud pants and <laughs> look at my wife. She's DMing. And he helped me like I had created the world. I didn't go for that module business. I was going to world build and create my own. And I want to be just like read and be super creative and punny with everything. And I mean, it went OK, but I think the hardest part and I have so much respect for Reed because of this is managing the different personalities yeah. at the table. Um, you've got I had two very like linear thinkers um, who just wanted combat, combat, camp, combat. And I am if you if people listen to the show, they know I'm a talkie character. And so. I had ways that they could talk their way out of pretty much any situation because that's how I like to play. Um, and so, man, that's a interesting role to have to play and balance that, you know? And yeah. especially with when you're DMing for a podcast, you have listeners who want different things too, so you have to keep that in mind as well. And um, DMing, I have a lot of respect for, and it's not that I wouldn't try it again, but I don't think I would take on such a large <laughs> commitment right away like I did my first time. So. Right, right. Yeah, well, it sounds like that was similar to my, because when I introduced my wife to it, it was one of the relatively first times that I had dungeon mastered. So I think it mm-hmm. was, I, I, in, in, in hindsight, I think that was a, a, a bad idea because there was a lot of pressure on that. Oh, yeah. And I, and I didn't have, uh, you know, so, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Maybe it would yeah. be better if you weren't the DM. Yeah, I think it would be better in that situation because of the weird, you know, yep. power dynamics or whatever it is of just being in a relationship and trying to make everyone happy at the same time. And trying to pretend that you didn't just roll 
and yeah. Dean <laughs> to attack her. By the way, <laughs> right. the character we meticulously um, made together is now dead. Good news, Aaron. You don't have to play anymore. Yeah. You're Go dead. watch The Bachelor. <laughs> I think that that was a strategic choice on Josh's part. He, I mean, he might say different, but I think that he knew. I get. I'm really competitive, and I take it out on him on games when I'm losing. Um, and so I think he knew if he was DM and things weren't going well, he wouldn't see the light of day for a couple of days because I'd probably knock him out. Um, <laughs> so I think I think he knew that it would be best if Reed DM'd my first game, which was also an interesting um, experience. Thanks, Reed. But um, <laughs> yeah. he did. A, I think it was better for Josh and my relationship that Reed was <laughs> in charge of my destiny instead of Josh. Yeah. So that might be a good idea, yeah. Greg. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think so. So, Reed, you've been getting a lot of praise uh, uh, so no far kidding. here uh, from yeah. Kelsey, uh, but also from, uh, from from your audience. I know a lot of people really enjoy uh, what you've been doing. So they were pretty adamant about uh, you guys being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I felt a I little know ev- threatened. <laughs> <laughs> I know everyone says this, but seriously, like, we seriously do have like one of the best, most engaged communities I can possibly think of, and uh, I am blessed and grateful literally every single day I check my Twitter feed to just see the love and outpouring that the show gets and I'm just the whole time I'm just confused I was like I don't like I I'm super glad you love it I wish that I felt like personally responsible I'm just (laughs) like I'm just like we're just recording what we're doing and you guys seem to be liking it so I'm really glad but I'm gonna keep doing everything I can to keep you happy because I love I love all our fans they're the absolute best what do you think has been the uh, the facet of your your DMing style that has like resonated the most with people? I think, I think honestly, what uh, what sets what we do a little bit uh, apart from everyone else is we have a really excellent table feel, mm. and by that by that I mean um, where if you're listening to the show, you don't feel disconnected from what's happening. You feel like you're actually a, like sitting at the table, a part of what's going on, and uh, that was that's one of those almost intangible things. Like, I don't know if there's like a formula or like equipment we use or like an editing style we have that makes that seem more conducive. Uh, But that was one thing we really wanted to uh, land on very early on when we decided to do this was, hey, let's like, I was talking to Josh who edits all of our episodes and he's amazing at it. But I said, you know, one thing I want people to feel like is that they're just sitting around laughing with us. Mm -hmm. And, and so in my DM style with that, that was one thing I really push is just, I like to explain everything that's going on, especially this is a, obviously in a, not a visual medium, it's purely auditory. So you have to, you, I could just say, oh yeah, you know, you rolled a 16, you miss uh, and let's move on. But I, I take the time to say like, no, here's what happened when you miss, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like your, your hammer deflects off the, shul- the shoulder pad of the, of the monster and it goes skidding into the floor, creating a cloud of dust. I don't have to do that, but I feel like just little touches like that help remove the, like, the element of, the, of disconnect between what the five of us do when we're recording and the audience that's ultimately uh, listening to the finished product. So I feel like uh, just stuff like that I, I really goes a long way. And I'll try to be, as a DM, um, as catered to the, my players as much as possible. Mm. Um, I Railroading is like a four-letter word, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and it's actually much more. <laughs> I, I understand, like, phonetically, yeah, it's, it's actually quite longer. But uh, it, it's just, to me as a player, uh, the, the worst thing I could ever feel is that my actions had nothing to do with the outcome. Right. 
of of whatever was taking place. And so I said I said very early, I, just, I, I don't ever want to feel like you guys are railroaded or shoestr or like you have to go uh, or do one specific thing. And um, it's been a giant pain in the butt, <laughs> you know, from a from a DM planning side. Like, okay, I've got this really awesome like city or this really awesome NPC or element planned, and they just don't engage at all or they just like oh now i'm gonna go over here instead or like we're not gonna stop in this town we're gonna keep going i'm just like okay (laughs) like that's like a whole lot of time i put into this thing you're completely walking past but i'm not gonna tell you that because i don't want you to ever feel like i'm forcing your hand (laughs) and i feel like that's been a lot of the response we've gotten from twitter as well is just how organic the world feels yeah um and so that's like a huge like point of pride for what we do is i'm so proud of the fact that uh i'm you know i'm able to make my players feel like they have a lot of ownership in the game. Yeah, and you're right. That's something that's, like, very hard to uh, recreate, you know, uh, the, to mm-hmm. make it feel like it's completely open, you know? I think when, yeah. when I was doing, uh, you know, DMing for Out of the Abyss, it was, you know, and it's harder in a, in a printed adventure, I almost feel like, you know, because mm-hmm. you kind of just have to be like, all right, well, I guess we're going to this chapter now, since that's what you're yeah. choosing, and I have to now prep all that up. Um, so it's a little bit easier when you're when you're doing a homebrew and you can kind of well I mean you can kind of make it up as you go and there's nothing else that you're contradicting by doing that, um, right? But uh, but I also really want to call out what you said about uh, the describing what happens when you hit or miss. Uh, you know I, I haven't listened to to mm-hmm. the entire run of your podcast, but the episodes I have listened to that that stood out for me as well um, as uh, as something that that you know as, as part of your DMing style, which makes it definitely feel more real you know you feel like okay it's not just uh you know the you roll the 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 die and you get the number result and then you you know it it makes it feel like okay what is that what are the you interpret what those things mean in the real world and Mm -hmm. it's not like in depth you only do like a a sentence or two um but it's just enough to make make the combats uh feel very natural yeah oh uh, that means a lot thanks so much for like picking up on that because i you know I catch myself sometimes uh, where where we're kind of just like in the swing and combat's moving really efficiently. And so like I almost like to keep the pace up. I'm just like, okay, yeah, like what do you, Kelsey, what do you do? Or like, Mike, what do you do? And then I'd be like, oh, I rolled a 12. Be like, oh, you miss. And then I, I actually have to like consciously stop myself mm-hmm. and go, no, okay. Like <laughs> I, I, I want to do this for, for all those reasons. And just because like if for a person listening to our show, just to say, uh, okay, I rolled a I rolled a thirteen. You miss like that's super unengaging. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the whole point of this of this whole experience, this whole uh, you know test that we started with, do people want to listen to us play D and D? I'm not gonna I'm gonna go out of my way to make sure that I'm giving people the best chance possible and like the best visual imagery uh, of, of to try and let them see what I see in my head because I understand you know I've got somewhere 80 episodes of content in my head or written down or in in notes and stuff like that and be like, how do I get that from my pages, from my brain into their brain (laughs) in a way that makes sense, you know? So I really do appreciate that. That's really cool. Kelsey, do you ever feel like you want to uh, uh, narrate what happens instead of, instead of read as far as like hits and misses? (laughs) Um, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, tension. This is new to me. I have control issues. It's fine. D&D is helping me work through them. (laughs) D&D is good for that. Yeah. Yes, it is. Especially when you're not the DM. Oh, my goodness. So did you create this world, Branith, for this this podcast? Or was this something that you had played with before? 
No, this one is I, I much like Kelsey and feeling like she bit off more than she can chew. That is almost like that's my <laughs> subtitle of just my life. Read, he's bitten off more than he can chew. Always got his and, mouth full. That guy <laughs> choked on a chicken yeah. bone. <laughs> yeah, and so every single D and D game I've ever DM'd, and including that small little session with Kelsey and her family, um, I've DM'd three campaigns, and all of them have been homebrewed because I'm an idiot <laughs> and it's uh so Brannis was made specifically for this for this uh, podcast I spent about three months before we even hit record the very first time coming up with the history and the lore and the geography and what all like how the world got to where it is the uh, deity structure all that stuff and yeah and then so because people ask me all the time, especially on like Twitter or email, stuff like that. Be like, hey, I'm coming up. Like, I want to homebrew a game for my friends. Um, like, how do you go about world building? Like, what's your recommendation? I always say, I always tell everyone, if you're going to do this, A, reconsider. <laughs> but B, <laughs> but B uh, start, start well before your players ever even show up. Mm. Because if you know where the world has been, it's so much easier to improv on the fly. If, like, if, if a player throws something at you that you didn't see coming. Mm -hmm. So... You know, they say like, oh, like what information exists here in this book I find? Well, like, obviously I don't have every book in the world pre-written. So I what? have to just think, okay, it was, I know. You don't have <laughs> every book pre-written? I know. I, I, I'm failing as a DM. But, <laughs> uh, I, I say, well, if it was written by an elf, this will be his perspective or their perspective on this, on this subject. And it was written roughly this many years ago. So I know kind of what was happening there. And then I can kind of, it, it's a great jumping off point mm -hmm. if I have to like wing something on the fly. It, mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I just, I kind of took that approach with this show. I planned a whole uh, heap of content and then I just like slowly unravel it to the players as we go which I, I find has been really cool for them uh, to have this stuff that I've planned you know th three months prior to even recording and we've been doing this show for over a, almost a year and a half mm -hmm. and so for for them to finally start getting glimpses of stuff that I planned almost you know two years prior you know it's just that's really cool that is cool yeah and I think that's that's the stuff about Dungeons and Dragons that really excites me that like slow discovery of knowledge and lore uh, Absolutely. that the players kind of go through. It's my favorite parts of playing, you know, computer RPGs. When you mentioned books on the wall, I was like, you know, the Elder Scrolls. Like, you know, yeah. I've, I, I've spent more time reading the books in that world than uh, <laughs> I have actually real books in the last year or so. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, that lusty Argonian maid, it's a page turner. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, so Kelsey, you said you were a, uh, a, a school teacher, right? What, what, yes. subject, what subject do you teach? I teach English teach um, and um, oral calm, which is like speech and public speaking. So cool. I feel like D&D &D could help with that. Yeah. Yes. Do you ever definitely. incorporate any D&D tenants into your class? Um, I t actually talk to, I do multicultural literature, which is a senior elective. Um, mm. And I tell, I tell all my kids that I have a podcast up front. Um, oh, I was going to ask but that too. Full I, disclosure. Yes. Um, I don't necessarily tell my softwares what it is. I tell my seniors, though, because we talk a lot about bias um, and implicit bias. And so we talk about stigmas attached to things. And so I tell the story about my D&D &D experience and getting involved with it. Um, and it's always funny to see the different reactions from kids. You get the, like, you play D&D &D yeah. because, like, not to toot my own horn, but I look kind of cool. I'm not, but I look like I am. Can't verify. She looks cool. 
<laughs> wow. But I'm a mega nerd. And so it's, and then you have kids that are like, wait, you play D&D? And then you have kids go, what's D&D? So it's just, just wide array. Um, but it it's great to get them to kind of start thinking about how someone revealing a part of their personality can flavor how you view them. Yeah. Um, but my oral communications class is... Um, I'm starting it this next semester as actually teaching it. And I want to incorporate it in the idea of group communication and yeah. group dynamics. And my first introduction to D&D was actually through the show Community oh, when they played Dungeons yeah, & Dragons. So Great. Best episode of that show. If you're not a Community fan, <laughs> best please two watch episodes. it. Best, so good. Two, best two episodes. Yeah. Right. Yes, there's two. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Shelley's I actually would... spoke to Dan Harmon about uh, making that episodes. Really? Oh, yeah. that's awesome. He, we that's had incredible. him on a podcast, too. Yep. It was really um, cool. He also yeah. had his fans asking us to be on the podcast for, like, years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tweeting constantly. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I don't, I don't doubt that. Um, but, yeah, I would love to incorporate um, that episode into just talking. Well, I mean, so much, so many episodes of Community can be incorporated in group dynamics. But yeah. just getting them to think about how you have to work together as a group to accomplish a single goal, but you all kind of have your own singular motives and thinking on your feet and all of, I mean, so much of D&D is about working together as a group while you're still an individual and independent. Yeah. With your own roles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Does your school have a D&D club or anything? Um, they they don't. Um, we have, they had like a strategy card club and the way that they do clubs at my school, they meet once a month on a Tuesday during the day um, and it's pretty sporadic. And so I've had several kids come and ask me if we could start one. Um, and I told them I'd be willing to sponsor it if we did it, but it would just be hard to figure out how to do logistically. Um, I'm actually really good friends with a math teacher and he hosts math club and he has a group of boys that play it in there after school. And so I'll occasionally get a phone call to my room like, Hey, Kelsey, can you come down here? They have a question. They don't know where to find it in the players. Can you come figure this out for the players? And then, can you navigate the player's handbook? They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, sure. I'll did be you ever, in a second. did you ever think that 10 years ago you'd be called in as an expert on? No, you're a quick study. <laughs> yeah. Didn't think that would happen. <laughs> Oh, Josh must be so proud. Yeah, uh, he's got yeah. his proud pants on. Proud yeah, pants. he's proud pants. <laughs> <laughs> Who is behind the sneak attack Twitter? Is that you, Reed? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I run the Twitter. So you were the one that I was bombarding with Paw Patrol questions? Yeah, Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> you did yep, great. Was, you did oh, great. Yeah, I was... I mean, I, the fact I, I, I was nervous a little bit because I was like, oh, man, she's calling my bluff. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that's how I had to weed out the fakers. Is yeah. I asked that's the right. Chicoletta question. And I'm a huge fan of Chicoletta. So you didn't let me down. Perfect. Um, I love that. The purse emoji. I was like, yeah, he's legit. Let's get him yeah, on the show. I, I, I figured it's out. I, I figured, OK, I, I know I've, I've heard the character. I know it's the purse chicken. So I was like, if, if I do this, I, I, this should at least win me some points. It did. It did. And that, that we do have a very strict vetting process. Dan Harmon had to go through that vetting process. <laughs> did you he ask Dan the Harmon? Paw yeah. Question? yeah, he did. He had to answer Paw Patrol. <laughs> back then when we talked to him, I didn't know Paw Patrol. I was yeah. way cooler back then. Yeah, he was a Chase fan. And we were like, all right, well, that's an easy choice. Yeah, everybody yeah, likes Chase. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. He's so cool. So, Reed, you brought up something interesting about DMing for a podcast. Um, and, uh, like, you know, not just... It's more of the the show don't tell, but you're actually mm-hmm. telling 
more. Yeah. You have to tell more. So that, um, is there any other parts of being a dungeon master for a podcast that, you know, people who aren't doing a podcast could employ in their own games that would probably make maybe the game more exciting or that could Um, translate just to straight up analog play. Yeah. It's, I think one thing, uh, that could help anyone is really make sure that the people playing the game are on the same page as you or everyone at least is on, like has some set agreement, like, okay, like if we're going to play D and D because we've all been a part of D and D groups that have like petered out or fizzled out in some way. Uh, if so, if, if we're going to get together and we're going to commit to this and I'm going to, as a DM going to commit to building this world or coming up with stuff for you to do each week, uh, then I like, here's what I'm going to expect from my players. And really for us, what that just was, was, Hey, we, we really want to be a weekly show. So these are the requirements. No, like I don't feel like recording today because unfortunately we have, you know, thousands of fans who look forward to our show every week. So, uh, that just doesn't work. And I need, I needed everyone to be on the same page there, but in, and just like in your in someone's basement or just uh, in, not recording a podcast, it's that goes it translates just the same as yeah I'm going to be committed to this show or to this to this game and when I'm here I'm here uh, I'm not going to be on my phone the whole time or uh, like just goofing around or like uh, you know just generally not being present mm-hmm. I think I think goes a long way I've I the very first game I DM'd uh, that was really like disheartening for me as as the dungeon master to be like to have to repeat myself 15 times, be like, oh no, someone asked, oh, what are we doing again? Where are we going? Be like, guys, like, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time on this, really. I like, because I love, I love doing this, but like, I would much rather have these 10 hours back if you're just not going to care. Um, oh, that makes me sad. Well, I, I think like, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Like, uh, uh, looking back at it now, I gained, I gained a ton of experience from, like, you almost gain as much from bad DM and D and D sessions as you do good ones. Cause it's just like, right. okay, yeah. now like this is what I know. Like, I know I, I don't ever want to DM like this again, or I know I don't ever want to like set up a story or create NPCs like this. You just, you, you learn different tricks from doing I mean, just like with everything in life. And so I think it was just, okay. Like I know now that if I'm going to approach something like this, especially public facing, like a podcast, like these are the things that I want to hold like really close and really dear. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, uh, Kelsey and the, the three other players, they were, just as receptive and on board as I was. So it wor- it's worked out really well so far. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So what about you, Kelsey, as a player? Are there, I mean, mm-hmm. I know most of your experience playing, it sounds like, has been on the podcast. Yes. But is there anything uh, that you can think of to, because I, I often am that player that's like, where are we? Wait, why are we here? Right. What are we doing? Right. Uh, yeah. And that, that'd be Sherwood as well. I don't know if you <laughs> if, if you're f- familiar with Mike or Sherwood as a character, but that's pretty much him every week. He yes. just, he comes in totally blind. Yes. <laughs> Every day oh is a new goodness. day when you That's have right. no short-term memory. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, I would say, I don't know. I think it's hard for me. I'm not, I am not like good at just listening. I need visual. And so it's been, there have been a couple times where like, for example, one of our episodes that treasure was behind a tapestry, but I heard mural and so I'm thinking like a painting on a wall. So like there's no way there could be anything behind it. And so I completely missed the loot and I was with Sherwood, the character Sherwood, and all he cares about 
in the world is loot. And so he, he was upset. I was upset because I like swag. That's fine. <laughs> um, and so we were both really upset. So I have to be really intentional to, especially because with the way that we play, everything is Reed telling us because there's no point in us having visuals in front of us when our podcast list audience can't see it. Um, so I yeah, have to be want, so you don't intentional. Want to ref- refer to a, f- a visual thing when that people can't see constantly. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So it's 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 hard for me, and it's been a stretch, but it's been good. Um, it makes me think about my students too, and like how much I make them listen to my annoying voice drone on and on and on. And I give them no visual cues at all. And so I, I, I feel for them because I've had to push myself and grow in that myself. So I think of both sides, it really flexes the creative muscles it's yeah. as me as a DM. It's like, okay, I really have to like take the time to explain what your surroundings look like, what the, like what the battlefield you're fighting on looks like to give you guys cover options, to give you guys escape routes. Uh, I mean, just mm. let you know where the enemies are actually coming in from. But then from their mm-hmm. perspective, too, they need to know positionally what they're capable of doing mm-hmm. and like what is around them, what's at their disposal. And it's because, yeah, it, it's kind of a long running joke now since that whole tapestry incident, because anytime <laughs> I, I talk about artwork or anything hanging on a wall, <laughs> Kelsey always asks, I look behind it and be like, all right, <laughs> I get it. I I'm get not going to miss the loot yeah. this time. <laughs> <laughs> you learn your lesson. Yeah. Yes. Right. It only takes once. That is interesting, though, to think about the describing of a scene. And if you don't do that, you know, I could see in, in, a, in a pure theater of the mind style game, you know, you end up with some very unentertaining and unexciting battles or combat because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of wrinkles or something that would make it interesting. So if mm-hmm. you're just like, hey, you're in a room and it's this big, you know, <laughs> then there's not much really creativity you can, yeah. you can have with that. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So is there any um, story uh, uh, character tidbits you guys can give away? How often are you guys record ahead of time? So have you guys Mm -hmm. already played through a session that has not yet been released? Yeah, we have three episodes in the bag right now that um, have not been edited or uh, published yet. And we do that uh, for a couple different reasons. We we normally record two episodes uh, in a a sitting and then we record every other week Mm. Uh, and we we gave ourselves, I think, four in a four-episode buffer when we first started just because we were really unsure what the schedule was going to look like. Um, we kind of still getting getting a feel for like the editing time and commitment that that required. So um, we, we had a bunch of episodes in the bag beforehand, and we've just kind of always been out ahead of it a little bit. Smart. Um, and, so, and secondly, the reason why we're so far ahead now is because one of our players is about to have a kid. Oh, second yeah. kid. Second, yeah, second kid. I know. That's what I said. I said, right. you realize what he told me that his wife is pregnant. I said, dude, you understand this is going to put a real damper on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Where are your priorities? Freaking so priorities. Like, People are like, so selfish. Think about others sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but no, so we're, we're trying to stay out ahead of that because literally any day he could text me and say, you know, the baby's coming. And yeah, uh, so, so we're just trying to give ourselves a little bit of a buffer room there. But in, in terms invite of the baby to, this, to the session, how um, distracting could that be? Yeah, no, just invite <laughs> the baby. It'll be fine. No, I, the last session we recorded, he started like, he checked his phone, put it down and then started putting his jacket on while we were <gasps> still recording. And I go, Oh crap, it's happening. <laughs> like, oh, this is no. it. This is, this is the moment. But he, he was just like, no, I was just cold. It's like, Oh, t- 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 oh. give me a warning or something, man. I was well, he freaking out. Fun with that. <laughs> yeah. He can be like, Oh, I, I have to bring pickles. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Most moon. Yeah. So, you could have fun with that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of stuff that we've got in the bag, like that the listeners have not yet heard, uh, 
the group actually, so I, I don't know how far you guys are in, are into the show or how much you've listened to, but uh, my world is broken in, into five core islands uh, mm-hmm. that serve as continents. And for the most part, each race has their own island or in the case of the elves or the, the gnomes and the, and the humans, they occupy the same island. And, uh, and they spent the entirety of the, the first 70 plus episodes on one island that's like this really big cultural intermixing, lots of different races, lots of different uh, beliefs and ideals, and everyone's just generally accepted there. Uh, so they spent all this time in what I call like easy zone. Gosh, yeah. Just like, <laughs> where, where everyone is great because there's not a single party member in this team that uh, that is in, uh, in similar race or class. So there's a whole bunch of diversity in our group. And uh, but everyone's been very accepting and welcoming of that in this first island they started on. Well, they just got to the elf island mm. and uh, and I have it kind of separated. The way the lore works in my game is that uh, high elves. Well, they became high elves after they uh, decided to separate themselves from uh, another group because the elves, since they live the longest, uh, they started running out of space on their island. Yeah. And it, I'm, I'm totally nerding out here, and I apologize. I love for, it. I love it. More. Oh, no, okay, great, good. great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the elves obviously live the longest, and they but they also occupy the smallest island, and that's just kind of how it ended up working out. And so they ran out of space really, really early. And so some of the elf leadership, this is, you know, almost a thousand years ago that uh, this was all starting to to happen. The elf leadership decided, okay, uh, you're only allowed uh, two kids per family. And if you have, uh, if you have more than one boy, we, we do, you know, we get rid of the boy. And it's a very like matriarchal society because they they believe that they're direct descendants of the goddess of the world, and so uh, they're very like women rule everything over there, and that's awesome. Uh, but the high elves they pretty much kill or eliminate all boys, uh, all second boys, and so uh, a huge faction of the elves were like, um, nope, we do, we're not <laughs> cool with that at all. Uh, and so they they ended up having to relocate in like deep in the forest. So they became the wood elves, and the one the the very matriarchal elves became high elves. Wood elves is, is actually where uh, Brenna, which is mm-hmm. Kelsey's character, yeah. uh, that's where she's from. She's a half elf, so she's even mixed race, and it, she's had a lot of really awesome um, story elements elements through that. But when they came to the elf island as a group, they came to the high elf side. Oh. And, Brenna had never experienced that, so she's talking out of like, "Oh, everything's great. They love they love me over here. We're super cor- calm and welcoming." Well, the Wood Elves are, uh, but the High Elves not so much. And so, I got slapped in the face within like two minutes of being in their presence. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> called her a half. They called her a half breed for race mixing, and then slapped her in the face. And and yeah, it was they're aggressive people over there, and uh, and so it, then there was a, there's a whole lot of awesome drama and conflict, which I love. Yeah. And some really cool story possibilities with that. And so they just they just got there and they they found this new city that is uh, filled with lots of like latent magical uh, effects and energy that they're not used to. And there's this really uh, powerful wizard who lived there that recently died. And they're trying to they're trying to figure out why uh, his his manner is kind of overridden with these uh, with these strange otherworldly beasts. And uh, so that's that's where they're at right now. They're exploring his manner and kind of delving into the secrets of what made this guy tick and what it is he was actually dabbling in 
that is bringing these beasts out and like having them do their own investigation. So right. I don't want to go. They, they haven't actually uh, gotten to the end of that uh, whole mystery yet. So I don't want to give too much away. But oh, um, you can do, no well, read. Kelsey, tell me. No one else Kelsey, is here. put your fingers in your yeah, ears. La, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I won't tell Josh. <laughs> I guess it, it all depends on when this on when this episode airs. So we'll I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll leave we'll leave that a, we'll leave that a mystery. But it's it's been really fun. I, I love I love just the the different finally having like different characters and NPCs that they can talk to with just wildly different ideals and beliefs yeah. and um, a big, a big faction, a big portion of what makes, uh, what makes my world unique. At least I think it makes it unique is that there's only one God. There's only one deity in this world, mm. Mono- and which is super counter D and D culture. Is. Like, and so I, I know I didn't want to like dive headfirst into the whole Pantheon thing when world building, because that's just all, that's super overwhelming to me, and so I, I just I kind of analyze it from a different perspective. Said, so you know what? There's not a lot of shows out there or games that I've played that deal with just like a monotheistic single deity type of thing. So maybe that would be cool. And I kind of explored that element, and that's how this whole uh, single goddess was born. Right. And uh, and so yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff because uh, the elves believe they're descendants of this goddess Sylvana, and. Um, they, most of the world doesn't even actually believe that she exists anymore because she's kind of like removed herself and her presence from the world. And there's this big invasion. I, I, again, I'm getting really deep into the whole lore here. I love it. And I think it's, I, I, I can see myself easily talking for another 30 minutes (laughs) and breaking down the history of the world, but I don't want to do that. And then Kelsey's like, all right, save it for the game. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, you did work on that lore for like three months. So. Yeah, that's true. No, it's but still it's, all just rattling around in my brain. It's good. That, I mean, that's that's the the ultimate DM skill is to be able to like, all right, well, you want the short version or the long version or the I'll just talk until you stop me version. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think the reason that Silvana has uh, uh, removed herself is because she got uh, taken over by another IP. Uh, she is the Banshee <laughs> Lich Queen from Warcraft. <laughs> Right. Well, uh, that's uh, Sylvanas. Sorry, Sylvanas. Sylvanas. Oh, yes. oh okay. <laughs> Sylvanas. Yeah. No, there's so many. Like, you feel so clever when you're writing D and D stuff. You're like, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, they'll never like see this character coming. Right. And then it's just like a total rip off of someone else that you had no idea. You're just like, oh, that totally like takes the wind out of my creative sails. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have the main like villainous group is called the Princes of the Apocalypse. And Josh and I were walking through Barnes and Noble and we saw the module no. for Prince of Apocalypse and we Way. sent it to Reed and we're like, did you know this? And he was like, nope. No, I, no here's the thing. I totally seen that book and like that phrase stuck in my brain. So I was just like, that's a cool phrase. I don't know where that came from, but oh I like God. it. <laughs> that it is turns awesome. out, yeah, some really talented awesome people came up with that way before I did. <laughs> <laughs> the best stuff is borrowed anyways, it's right? It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. That used to happen to me in comedy all the time where you, people would come up with a joke that was like just like yours and you're like, what? Yes. They stole my yes. joke. And then it yeah. was like, oh no, they're just, everybody's drawn from the same yep. kind of cultural you just, well. Yep. You just described my well. marriage. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, I think that was a that was a good tidbit. Uh, uh, dip into the to the culture and the lore. So I think people who maybe don't aren't familiar with your podcast yet, I think that'll get them in. I'm in. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I hope so. And I, I, I honestly like uh, what I've told people. And I, I was listening to uh, the most recent episode, the one that just came out a few days ago of yours, uh-huh. and it, it was dead on the money. Someone said that uh, in the process of creating a show you need like eight episodes to really figure out 
mm-hmm. what you're doing mm-hmm. and to get it right. Right. So and I, I kid you not, it took us eight episodes on the dot yep. for us to really get our audio situation figured out, get kind of, uh, we use like integrated sound effects and stuff like that to kind of enhance the flavor of battle and combat and add some just ambient environmental stuff, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it, it took us about that, that length of time to really figure out how to make that work effectively and how to make it engaging and not like just all of a sudden it's out of nowhere and then it's gone or just overkill. Um, and so, yeah, I totally agree with that. And so if, if listeners, if you can get past the first eight episodes, I promise, <laughs> so, I promise there's, there's, there's good stuff in there. It so we should better. start with episode eight. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what he's telling us. It's like, don't do the first like eight or nine. Yeah. <laughs> that might be, that might be disjointing, but cause they, episode eight, they kill like their first little mini boss. Uh, but that's for you can jump in whenever you want. People have jumped in in like episode 40 and we're like, I didn't miss a beat. It was great. I was like, okay, I don't know how, but that's awesome. <laughs> that's like people would be like, I started watching Lost in, you know, season seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it made perfect sense. Yeah. Now, how this long, is the greatest show ever. How long have you been doing this? Uh, our first episode came out in June of last year. Because you I feel uh, like you've built a, a really strong fan base in a very short amount of time. Uh, I honestly, the success has even shocked ourselves. Um, I think when we, when we first started this, we said, if we can get a couple dozen people listening to us uh, (laughs) that don't have, don't share last names with you. Yeah, exactly. That that aren't relatives. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, then that would be perfect. Uh, just to let people, to let us know that, Hey, people like what we're doing for whatever reason. And we're like, Mm -hmm. that's all we need. Uh, we, we put out two episodes the first month because we released like in the middle of the month or something like that. And that month alone, we had over 450 downloads. And then mm-hmm. last month, that which would be, I think, 17 months in, since we started, we almost hit 100,000. 100,000? 100,000 total downloads. That's for, amazing. For the, but it's just like, that's, that's the insanity. It's like, I don't get it. <laughs> I, yeah. I, love our, I love our show. I, am, I, I live and breathe this stuff. But... I think that there is just a demand for consistency yeah. that I don't think was getting filled in the actual play space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least not like by a ton of different shows. There's there's awesome shows that have been doing it for years, four mm-hmm. or five, six years that are consistent and awesome. And a huge shout out to them because they're awesome inspirations. But uh, they're, you know, they're, once you get past like the two or three of them, there's not a whole lot of options. And so I think just having another option for these D&D fans and obviously you know, you know D&D fans better than anyone they are just ravenous in mm-hmm. consuming this stuff very I, true I, and so just to give them that consistency and to hit a, an audience that I don't think was super uh, represented in the actual play space because one of our one of our big kind of focuses early on was being uh, family friendly we wanted to actually have that like clean lyric moniker next to our iTunes profile just so I people know that. yeah yeah it just and that was that was a big deal for us too it'd be like you know we're not going to be like rainbow kittens and unicorns but <laughs> like far from it <laughs> yeah I mean like we talk about brutal deaths Greg literally punches through a dude's face at one point <laughs> um but at the that's same totally time, rated like, G though that's totally you know yeah like, yeah and, and uh, you don't see it, so it's G. Exactly, it's <laughs> all implied. That stuff happens violence. on Paw Patrol all the time. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> so I, th- I think with those two things, the consistency and the the fact that people are able to listen to this show with their kids or around kids without like worrying about like oh, I don't know what's going to be said. I think that's kind of put us in a little bit of a a group all of our own, 
and for people sure. have responded really well to it, which has been just super. I mean, I can't I can't believe the success. I'm super grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And that's that's the feedback that I love the most. I when a dad tweets at me and says my daughter's favorite character is Brenna, I just Aww. like I just melt because like I want to be every little girl's hero. So that that's makes so me cool. really happy. Yeah. yeah. That's nice that you get that feedback, too. Yeah. People yeah. tell you that. Mm-hmm. So cool. cool. So where, uh, you know, so, I mean, I'm sure people can look at Sneak Attack Podcast, but where's a good place for people to find out more about you guys? Yeah. Uh, right now, the best way to reach out to us or get a hold of us would definitely be through Twitter. It's at Sneak Podcast. But very excited. You guys are actually the first ones that we're announcing this to publicly. What? What? Uh, People have been people have been <laughs> clamoring for an official website for a really long time, and we are actually launching a fully featured, like, very cool, like we've got a lot of really cool stuff planned uh, website at the beginning of 2017. So uh, January one, we're gonna have this website launched, and it's gonna be a great place for. It's gonna have like a Wikipedia style entry of a ton of different like cities Ooh, NPCs, cool, cool. and PCs stuff, and all that stuff will link back to the episode that it was featured on, and wow. all this really cool. Yeah, like there's all again. I don't know if that feature is going to launch in January. That we're, <laughs> but that's the plan. That again, that's the Coming plan. The website soon. will be up. What's it, the uh, be a great? What's going to be the URL address? It is sneakpodcast.com. Nice. So it, the site is actually live. It doesn't actually. It, it's not doing anything. It just says, "Hey, we're coming," but uh, it's 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 up there right now. We own the domain, so domain snatchers, you don't get it. Yeah, get <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's coming at the beginning of the year, and that I think is going to be the best place for uh, people who have never heard the show before, have no idea what we do. You go there, you will get you will get an understanding of who we are and what we're about within thirty seconds. Sweet, well, that's awesome, that guys. Awesome. Um, and then, on, did you did you tell us your Twitter? Your Twitter. Yeah, handle? sneak sneak at sneak podcast okay. on Twitter. Okay, making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to, uh, to talk to us. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm, we finally got to chat with you. I'm looking forward yeah. to, to listening to more. Oh, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us on the show. It's been an honor. It was awesome. Our Thank pleasure. you guys so much. And we'll let you know how our, uh, uh, our session goes indoctrinating my wife in D&D. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Please I, do. You need, yeah, you need to post updates for that on Twitter. We'll be we'll rooting do. for you. And if you do Chopped or Bachelor, you should market it. I'll be all by the first copy. Done. Sweet. Done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Kelsey and Reed. It. You guys are awesome. Yep. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. They were all right. <laughs> What's the fuss? I mean. <laughs> so you can be like two really funny, cool, articulate, nice people. Like, Whatevs. Apparently everybody loves you. I know. Do you get, uh, uh, you know, dads tweeting at you that you're their hero? Yeah. Their daughter's Their daughters heroes? are like, oh, yeah, Shelly Moo is really funny. <laughs> what is she, a cow? <laughs> cow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. So, uh, so yeah, that was cool. I oh, really like cool. talking to them. Yeah, they're good people. Yeah, that is like, but really, I mean, they have a. Their fans are very, very dedicated. Yeah, they. And it up. they were a recommendation on the Twitters. That's right. We do take those recommendations very seriously. E- extremely seriously. Yep. We take them to the bank. Totally. Like literally, we Greg and I stand in a bank and we sort, <laughs> sort through Twitter and we're like, okay, who do they think we should have on the show? It just makes our jobs easier. So there's, so yeah, as Shelly's saying, you can message me at Greg Tito or Shelly at Shelly Moo. But probably at Greg Tito. But do Shelly Moo as well because. <laughs> 
<laughs> She's the only one who really makes these uh, uh, very important scheduling decisions. I'm good decisions. at the Google. You're good at Google. Yeah. She will vet you with uh, oh, yeah. some kids' television questions. You, or, yeah. We'll switch it up. It's not just Paw Patrol. Don't, we also yeah, will be surprise eggs. You never know. Oh, my God. What can you tell us Don't. about Daniel Tiger's trip to the doctor? Go. Oh. Rest is best. Rest is best. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you can re- message us about uh, uh, oh, new, no. new guests that we can have uh, on the show. You can also give us uh, uh, some ratings and reviews on the electronic iTunes. You give us uh, some high ratings and more people might uh, know about this podcast and find out about what a cool and amazing hobby playing Dungeons and Dragons is. Right, Ryan? Right, Ryan. He's looking at us shaking his head sadly. In, in, you can in talk disdain. about how awesome the sound quality. Actually, there was somebody on Twitter that wanted to tell you great work. That's right. And we forgot to tell you. It was like six months ago. Good job. <laughs> good job, both of you, for yep. relaying the six-month-old message I'm, and making the sound I'll, good. I will pass messages on in my own time. <laughs> 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 I have to vet all messages. I wanted to make sure that you really were doing a good job. But now we know. You We've are, got Ryan. evidence. Good job, Ryan. You have a fan. <laughs> <laughs> You're that little girl's hero. <laughs> <laughs> little girl wants to grow up to be a sound engineer. Oh. Well. So. That's amazing. Anyway. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week uh, with a fascinating installment of Dragon Talk. Dragon Talk. Until then. <laughs>